You're listening to the Eastside Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This sermon was recently preached at our church. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com. Now, enjoy today's sermon. Genesis 31. And uh, if you'll bear with me, still have dealing with a cough for some reason. It just won't seem to go away. So if I have to stop and uh, take care of something, y'all just talk amongst yourselves. So um, I was enjoying the song so much, I forgot I just threw in a cough drop right before. So I'm making a bad habit of eating a cough drop right before I step up here. So hopefully we'll survive that too. Genesis 31 is where we're going to be this morning. And uh, last week we, we looked at, at, at uh, Jacob receiving all the blessings from God and how God just poured these blessings out on his life. And, and, uh, and all of that started when Jacob went to Laban to say, it's time for me to go. And, and so we come to Genesis 31 and it's finally really time for, for Jacob to leave. And, uh, th- you know, this text was so long, uh, really the whole, the whole chapter is kind of a one big thought unit. And, and so for your sake this morning, I've split it up and uh, no amens. Okay, we'll do the whole thing this morning. And uh, okay, all right. So we've split it up for your sake. All right. Some of you are catching on. Um, see, that may make it better for us this morning, um, but really it kind of makes it harder for the preacher uh, because really, it's a, if there's one thought we're trying to get across and you cut it in the middle, then you've got to really find a way to, to bring, make that one half of a unit a whole unit. But I do think there's a lesson here that we can learn from, and I hope it will provide, provide some help for us. Uh, we'll read the first part, Genesis 31, beginning in verse 1. Let's stand together as we read down through verse 21. Genesis 31, in verse 1, and he heard the words... This is Jacob. And he heard the words of Laban's sons, saying, Jacob hath taken away all that was our father's. And of that which was our father's, hath he gotten all this glory? And Jacob beheld the countenance of Laban, and behold, it was not toward him as before. So after Jacob receives all the blessings, after he receives prosperity... Uh, he notices Laban's sons aren't really happy with them anymore. And it's not just Laban's sons. Laban himself is not looking at him the same way that he used to. And, you know, countenance, the Greek word or the Hebrew word for countenance there is stink eye, I think. So Laban is giving Jacob the stink eye. Kind of a sideways look. And Jacob knows it's time. And the Lord said, verse 3, unto Jacob, return unto the land of thy fathers and to thy kindred, and I will be with thee. We can stop right there and talk about the hymn we just sang, how firm a foundation. I'll never leave thee, I'll never forsake thee. Verse 4, and Jacob sent and called Rachel and Leah to the field unto his flock. And he said unto them, I see your father's countenance. That is, it is not toward me as before, but the God of my father hath been with me. And you know that with all my power I have served your father, and your father hath deceived me and changed my wages ten times, but God suffered him not to hurt me. If he said thus, the speckled shall be thy wages, then all the cattle bear speckled. And if he said thus, the ringstraked shall be thy hire, then bear all the cattle ringstraked. He's talking about what we talked about last week, the story with the goats and the sheep, and, and we'll review that just in a moment. Thus God hath taken away the cattle of your father and given them to me. And it came to pass at the time that the cattle conceived that I lifted up mine eyes and saw in a dream. And behold, the rams which leaped upon the cattle were ring straight, speckled, and grizzled. And the angel of God spake unto me in his dream, saying, Jacob. And I said, here, I, here am I. And he said, lift up now thine eyes and see all the rams which leap upon the cattle are ring straight, speckled, and grizzled. For I have seen all that Laban doeth unto thee. I am the God of Bethel, or Bethel, where thou anointest the pillar, and where thou vowest a vow unto me. Now arise, get thee out from this land, and return unto the land of thy kindred. 
And Rachel and Leah answered and said unto him, Is there yet any portion or inheritance for us in our father's house? Are we not counted of him strangers? For he hath sold us, and hath quite devoured also our money. For all the riches which God hath taken from our father, that is ours and our children's, now then, whatsoever God hath said unto thee, do. Then Jacob arose and set his sons and his wives upon camels, and he carried away all his cattle and all his goods which he had gotten, the cattle of his getting, which he had gotten in Paddan Aram, for to go to Isaac, his father, in the land of Canaan. And Laban went to share his, shear his sheep, and Rachel had stolen the images that were her father's. And we're not going to deal with that part this, this week. That will come more into play next week. Um, you know, but sometimes you make a decision like that, you don't realize how hard it's going to make it in the future for you. And Rachel takes these idols of her father and, and it really causes problems later. But look at verse 20. And Jacob stole away unawares to Laban the Syrian in that he told him not that he fled. So he fled with all that he had and he rose up and passed over the river and set his face toward the Mount Gilead. We're going to stop our reading there and, and just, I, there's a lot of things we could focus on, but I really did try to seek the Lord about the main idea of this, of this part of the text. And, and the title that I'm going to work with today is Get With the Program. And I know that sounds kind of in your face and direct, and I don't mean it necessarily in a condescending way as much as I mean God has a program and he wants you to be a part of it. He has a part for you to play in his plan, in his program. And the question is not, does God have a place for me? The question is, will you get with God's program? He wants you to be involved. And he wants you to be in the place you're supposed to be. But sometimes it just takes us deciding. We're going to set our face to get with God's program. And I hope that will be an encouragement and challenge to you this morning. Let's pray. And seek the Lord. Father, we love you and we need you. And we are desperately searching for something beyond ourselves. And Lord, we know that your Holy Spirit is perfectly capable of taking this scripture and applying it to us. We pray that you'd help us to be open to what we hear today. And, and then for those that have not gotten with the program. Lord, and I look around the room and I don't see many like that. But there are those Lord, who, who have not really bought in and haven't bought into your plan and haven't bought into your program. And I pray that you'd help us all to submit ourselves to your work and, and say, God, use us however you'd like us to be used. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. So last week we were in chapter 30 and we saw how God blessed Jacob with great wealth. Jacob had been chosen by God to receive the promise that was given to Abraham. And that spiritual inheritance included people, prosperity, and a place. That's kind of how I've come to summarize it in my mind. You've got people, a great nation. You've got prosperity, great blessings. And you've got a place, the promised land. The land of Canaan. And through those things that God was going to give, then all the nations of the earth would be blessed. And all the nations of the earth would be blessed through Jesus Christ, which was going to come through Jacob's descendants. So this is an amazing promise. And so 14 years then, with Uncle Laban here, God blessed Jacob with 11 sons and one daughter and more wives than a man should handle, literally. God had seen fit to bless Jacob with people, which was a big part of the promise. Remember, people, prosperity, and a plan. And the promise was a, a great nation. You have to have people to have a great nation. And, and God is doing that. God is working in their family and fulfilling that part of it. Chapter 30, we also that, then last week saw how prosperity, the prosperity part of the promise had come into play. Jacob had fulfilled his obligations to work with Laban. And so he went to his uncle and he said, it's time for me to leave. I fulfilled my commitments to you and God has blessed you because of me. But I have nothing I have to take care of my family. We've got nothing. And, and so Laban wanted none of that because Jacob was the golden goose for him. Jacob had the Midas touch for him. And Laban had become a very wealthy man because, because of Jacob's uh, management of his flocks. 
So Laban says, no, please don't go. Let's work out a deal. So they work out a deal, and we talked about this last week. The small number of spotted and speckled animals became Jacob's, and those animals were separated from the rest. And that large number of normal colored and solid colored goats and sheep, those would be Laban's. And the, the, the arrangement was that any of the offspring that came that were, that were speckled and spotted, those would be Jacob's. Well, there's just a small number of those, and there's a large number of the normal colored ones. So the chances then of a large number <coughs> of, of speckled and spotted sheep and goats coming from these two groups, a small group of spotted and speckled, a large group of normal colored, it's very low. The chances were not high. And yet, and it wasn't because of Jacob's superstition, although he tried to do some things to make it happen, but for suddenly all of the normal colored and solid colored animals are producing spotted and speckled sheep. They're just, I mean, coming out like crazy. There's all of these babies that are off-colored, and everything that's off-colored goes to Jacob. And, you know, it wasn't left up to chance. God was doing it. I mean, Jacob gives credit to God in the text that we already read that God made this happen. So God is blessed then. You know, by the end of, verse of, of, <coughs> of chapter 30, then Jacob, it says, has increased exceedingly. And the idea is that he had burst forth with blessing. He had much cattle. He had many maidservants and men servants and camels. And God had blessed Jacob with prosperity few people had ever seen. It wasn't just that he was wealthy. I mean, he was a one percenter. He was one of those that everyone looked at and says, that's Jacob's caravan. Those are Jacob's possessions bursting forth with blessing. In just a few verses before, he's saying, what shall I do now with my own household? And after just a few years, God blessed him in this incredible way. And it was all because God did it. You know, Jacob didn't do anything um, to make it happen. And honestly, Jacob very often didn't do things the right way. But I do believe that God blessed him because he wanted the right things. He wasn't perfect. He didn't do things the way that you or I would hope that he would do them. But I do believe he wanted what God wanted. Uh, and, and so God wants to use Jacob. The question is, is Jacob willing to be used by God? Is Jacob willing to set aside his methods, his ways, his ideas... You know, here's how I'm going to ask it. Will Jacob get with the program? His whole life, he's gotten in his own way. He's tried his own methods. He's taken matters into his own hands. And will this finally be the time when Jacob gets with God's program? Well, there's plenty of evidence that it's time. I mean, just think about all the signs that it's time for Jacob to get with God's program. I think, first of all, just the fact that he went to, to Laban... Back up in chapter 30, verse 25, and he said, um, that he said, send me away that I may go unto mine own place, that I may go to my country. You know, that, that shows us that Jacob had faith in God's promises. Jacob wasn't content where he was. He wanted something more. He wanted to be a part of God's plan. And listen, you can't make someone get with the program if they don't want to. Jacob wants the things that God promised. The desire is there, and sometimes, folks, all it takes to, to be used is to say, I want to be used. We have this idea that we've got to be the finished product, that we've got, you know, we've got to have all the answers, and that, you know, I know people that they don't want to go knock on a door or tell somebody about the gospel because they don't have all the answers to every question. You know, none of us have all the answers to every question. But if you've got a salvation testimony, you can tell somebody about Jesus. You don't have to be a finished product. You don't have to be polished. You don't have to be shiny. You don't have to be perfect because nobody is. You know what God's looking for? He's looking for desire. <coughs> He's looking for somebody who cares about his program. And I'm thankful that Jacob's wealth didn't make him complacent to God's work. Yeah, you, it's amazing that, you know, Jacob had everything he could have wanted and he could have gotten wealthy and he could have said, I'm good right here. I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing. You know, the, my 401k is looking really good. I, I'm bringing in a lot, you know. And now, listen, I believe that happens, especially right here in America. And that we don't see it, but 
compared to the rest of the world, we have a lot. And abundance breeds complacency. And I believe that, that Jacob could have fallen into that trap, but he didn't. He had a desire for the right things. So there's a sign that God is ready for him to get involved in the program. Here's another sign that he's, been, that he's ready to get, jump in with the program is that God had equipped him with resources. See, Jacob was blessed in an unlikely way, in an unlikely place, and it was all because God's, of God's program to make Jacob usable. You know, God doesn't give us gifts to sit on. He gives us gifts to pass on. He didn't make you who you are so you could sit in a pew. He puts you at Eastside Baptist Church and he gave you the gifts and the skills that you have. And again, I'm talking to our members, of course, but he gave you the gifts and the skills and the talents that you had to be used in, in service to him. He doesn't give us our gifts to sit on. So I'm asking you today, what are you using your gifts for? Are you, are you using your gifts to be a blessing to somebody else? Because for many people, wealth is the end. Uh, for many people, the bottom line is their retirement account. That's the end game, but that's not the way God works. In God's economy, our resources are meant to be passed along to somebody else. To be blessed so that we will give and, and, and we receive so that we can give and then we receive more so we can give. We are to view our resources, our time and our talent and our treasure as ways to get involved in God's program. Uh, don't miss the blessing that comes from being a blessing. Amen. You know, too many pr Christians approach uh, church with this mentality that says, bless me. Yeah. What are you going to do for me today? And listen, when I come to church, I need, off, I need something. I do. But, but if I come to church like a consumer, thinking, what can I get out of this? Then I'll never look to be a blessing to somebody else when I walk in these doors. That's a dangerous mentality. And I think it probably summarizes what much of our modern church movement is, is thinking. Look, what can I get from this? How can I benefit from this? And disciples don't think that way. Disciples think, no, what can I offer? There are too many people with God-given gifts not using them for God. So use your gifts to be a blessing. That's what it looks like to get with God's program. Uh, how else do we see that, that Jacob is ready to get involved in God's program? Well, God had made it uncomfortable for him. Yeah. Look at verse 1. And he heard the words of Laban's sons, saying, Jacob hath taken away all that was our father's, and of that which was our father's hath he gotten all this glory. And Jacob beheld the countenance of Laban, and behold... It was not toward him as before. There, there, this family dynamic has changed. And there's envy here. And, uh, you know, there's something grieving about a family that's at odds. This week we were in Oklahoma City and, and we went through a, a, a drive through a coffee shop. And so I started talking to the, to the worker there, this, the, a, a young woman probably in her mid, mid to uh, early 20s. And I started just asking her. You know, where she's from and all those things. And, and in the course of the conversation, it only took about two minutes to find out that she doesn't talk to her mom and she doesn't talk to her dad and she won't talk to her brother. And the only person in her family that she likes or gets along with is her sister. Everybody else, she's cut them off. There's too much drama. There are too many things that have happened. And I was just thinking, I was grieved by it, you know, that, that a family would turn into that. But many, many of you have family situations like that. That's not the way that God designed for it to be. He designed the family unit to work as a unit and, and work together. But listen, what we see here is that really the, the Bible says who is able to stand before envy, envy. And the answer is nobody can stand before envy. I mean, even, even this family situation that should have been close and they should have been thankful for each other. There's envy there and it destroys this family. The, the envy of Laban and his sons toward Jacob and Laban's daughters. And as grieving as it was and as bad as it is, God was allowing these circumstances in Jacob's life to make him uncomfortable. And sometimes that happens to us. Circumstances come into our life into our lives that make us uncomfortable. And because we're uncomfortable, then we know that something needs to change. We know that, that we've got to take a step, and that's happened to me before. I mean, I, and three years ago, almost three years ago, right before our family moved to Eastside Baptist Church, there was a time at my tenure there in Stillwater as a staff member, the last few months I was there, I just got uncomfortable. 
I can't explain it. I don't know what was wrong. There wasn't something wrong. It was just a comfort level was no longer there. And I knew that God was doing something like, you know, a bird that, a young bird that needs to be kind of kicked out of the nest to go fly. And sometimes God does that. And our our circumstances in life, very often we sometimes think that God doesn't work through the circumstances or the circumstances in God have nothing to do with each other. But I don't believe that's true. Circumstances shouldn't have anything to do with our contentment level. But God does allow circumstances in our lives to get our attention sometimes. And if you've got circumstances in your life that are pointing to something, don't miss those signs. I'm not saying it's always that way because people that only operate by their circumstances will find themselves in real trouble. But that's not how Jacob's doing it, though. We find out next that the next sign that it's time for him to get with the program is, is an important one and that God's word made it clear to him. See, look at verse 3. And the Lord said unto Jacob, Return to the land of thy fathers and to thy kindred, and I will be with thee. Don't you wish, when it was time to make a big decision in your life, that God would just come and say it that clearly? God just came and said, Listen, Jacob, return unto the land of thy fathers, and I'm going to be with thee. I'm thankful for the way he worked for Jacob. I'm also, though, a little bit jealous Because sometimes, you know, these things are happening. We have a desire. We have maybe the resources. We're uncomfortable. And we seek God's word and it's not as clear as that. But I'm telling you, you just keep seeking God's word about the decisions you're making. Don't, Don't neglect it because he doesn't give you an answer right away. The most important thing you can do is go to God's word for your decisions. He still has given us this book and it, and it gives us answers that pertain unto all matters of life and godliness. This, this, is, this is your place to go when you're struggling with a life decision or you're struggling with circumstances. I get concerned with people that make decisions impulsively or make decisions based on circumstances or make decisions without consulting the authorities in their lives. I'm telling you, that's a dangerous path to be on. Go to God's word. Follow his principles. If you build your life on this foundation, if you will trust this God, according to that verse, verse 3, God will be with you. He will bless you if you obey. So as I was thinking about all the ways God has prepared Jacob for this moment, uh, it's quite the process in that Jacob has a desire to to go home. Jacob has been equipped with all the resources he, he's got some uncomfortable circumstances pointing him in this direction. He, and then he has confirmation about God from God's word. And I'm thinking, well, this is all coming together. It seems like it's finally time. So what does Jacob do? Well, the first thing he does is he calls a family meeting. When I was a teenager, I hated family meetings. <laughs> because when we had a family meeting, you, know, you knew it probably meant somebody was in trouble. And I had a, a good idea it was probably me. My parents would say, we have a family meeting, and my heart would race, and I'd, what did I do, what did I do, what did I do? I'm thinking through everything, trying to think. Of, now, listen, this was a family meeting that, believe it or not, in this family meeting, if you know this family, you know this is a miracle, but in this family meeting, everybody agreed. Wow. Everybody was on the same page. You ever had a family meeting when everybody, everybody's on the same page? If your family is like most families, probably not, but there's a miracle waiting you, maybe, so... They have this family meeting, and, and the second sign, the, the big sign that I think points to Jacob, it, it's time to get with the program, is he makes this speech. And some people recognize this speech in Jacob's life as a highlight, a high point in Jacob's life. And I just want to point out the things that he talks about, is that he recognizes that separation has to take place between him and Laban. And sometimes, you know, if you're going to get with God's program, there maybe has have to be some separation in your life. In verse 4, look what it says. And Jacob sent and called Rachel and Leah to the field unto his flock and said unto them, I see your father's countenance, that it is not toward me as before, but the God of my father hath been with me. There's a play on words in the Hebrew. He's basically saying, Laban is toward me to harm me, but God is with me to help me. 
That's a great truth. I, I'd like to spend more time. But verse 6, it says, And ye know that with all my power I have served your father. Yeah, I've done everything I was supposed to do. My integrity has been impeccable. In verse 7, another play on words. Your father hath deceived me and changed my wages ten times, but God suffered him not to hurt me. And, and when he says, uh, basically he's saying that your father hasn't been faithful to me, but God has been faithful to me. And I'm thankful we just heard this song about God's faithfulness. And here's Laban. He says, he's changed my wages ten times. Now, and most, most commentators will tell you, it doesn't mean literally ten times. It's, it's, a, it's a, a phrase that simply kind of just means, he's changed my, my wages more than I can count. He's changed my wages over and over and over again. So, no, it's not a wrong application. But, so the application is right, though. Is that Laban has been unfaithful over and over again. But God has been faithful over and over again. And that's the point that he's making. And, and, and he's making this speech. He's letting them know, uh, listen, this is my heart. And I think that God is moving us. And, 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 and I know that there needs to be some separation is, is what he's telling them. And listen, there are times in your life that God wants you to get with the program, but you can't because of your attachments. And there may be some time that God wants you to be separated from something that's holding you back from being part of God's program. And I'm not saying be rude. I'm not saying badmouth people. I'm not saying cut them off and go into witness protection and never talk to them again. No, but the Bible does say come out from among them and be ye separate. If you want to follow God, you, you can't continue to, to be bound or attached to these other influences in your life that aren't for that. You may need to cut some ties and relationships that won't help you get with the program. Jacob then kind of details the, the situation that we covered last week with the goats and the, and the sheep. And look down at verse 13. He says, this is this conversation he has with God. I am the God of Bethel, where thou anointest the pillar and where thou vowest a vow unto me. Now arise and get thee out from this land and return unto the land of thy kindred. God comes and says, I'm that God that met you there at that place in Bethel that one night. The house of God... I met you there and you made a vow to me and it's time to return. That's the idea. See, Jacob wasn't just separating from Laban. It, you know, getting with the program also means that you've got to take some people with you. And, and he does. He gathers his family around and he says, I've got to separate. I've got to do this. But basically, but I've got to take you with me. You're my family. And the, their response is... is is noble here. Look at verse 14. And Rachel and Leah answered and said unto him, Is there yet any portion or inheritance for us in our father's house? Basically, they're saying all of our, all of our inheritance has been spent. They say, Are we not counted of him strangers? For he has sold us and hath quite devoured also our money. Basically, they're saying that Laban, usually in a situation where there's a dowry, the dowry was paid for the bride and that dowry would go to the parents. But when those parents would die, then that dowry would go back to the family. Well, Laban didn't honor any of that. Whatever dowry, whatever inheritance there was, Laban had spent all of it. And so Rachel and Leah knew that there's nothing left for them. There's no inheritance left for them. That it wasn't just Jacob that had been tricked and deceived by Laban. Uh, they'd been treated poorly by their own father. And they say, you know what, if you feel like you need to go, I love what they say, verse 16, all the riches which God hath taken from our father, that is ours and our children's, they say, now then, whatsoever God hath said unto thee, do. Whatsoever God hath said unto thee, do. You know, this is, this is an interesting dynamic here. Because you haven't seen this kind of unity in Jacob's family before. You haven't seen them to be on the same page. But you know, I believe after all these years of watching Jacob within, do things with integrity and be loyal to their father. And, and, and their father has just treated him poorly, treated them poorly. It seems like Rachel and Leah respect Jacob. 
And dads, listen, there'll be a time where you may feel like it's time for you to get with the program and you need your family to follow you. And your past uh, uh, behavior and your leadership and your consistency at home is going to be what determines whether or not they follow you. They're watching you, dads. And they're watching to see your consistency and your walk with the Lord and your spirituality. And, I, I, and it's not always the case, but I know that it, there are plenty of cases where young people or, or a spouse won't follow uh, dad because dad hasn't been consistent with the Lord. And he hasn't maintained his integrity. And I know it's not Father's Day, but we need to hear those kinds of things. They're willing to follow Jacob. They say, whatsoever the Lord has told you, go ahead and do it. So I just want to think about what's happened here. God's prepared Jacob to be part of the program. He has the desire. He has the resources. Uh, things have gotten uncomfortable for him. And he's had God word, God's word to confirm it. Jacob gives a speech. And the speech reveals he's ready to get with the program. And he knows he must make a separation with Laban. He knows it's important to lead his family. He even intends to make, it, to make Bethel the house of God. To make that a priority. And what I appreciate about Jacob. That we don't do sometimes. And here's where we get down to the transition for application. Is what I appreciate about Jacob. Is he doesn't just talk about it. He doesn't just say. Uh, yeah I want to be part of God's program. Yeah, I'm excited to be on board. Yes, yeah, soul winning. Yes. You know, church, yes. Reading your Bible. Amen. No, he doesn't just talk about it. God, God prepares him. He talks about it, but then he, get, he puts his, his words to action. And look at verse 17. Look at the action words. He says, it says, then Jacob rose up. You know, I envision this. He gets done. You know, his wives have just said, whatsoever God has said unto thee, do. Whatsoever God has said unto thee, do. And he's sitting here, and it's like there's music. It's like, da, 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 da. And, you know, he stands up. He's inspired. I'm sorry, I have some weird imaginations in my study. But, you know, dads, when your family gets behind you, and they say, we're behind you, Dad. Whatever you say, I mean, you feel like there's music. Say, like he rose up. He stands up is what it means. So there's action here. He rose up and it says he set his sons and his wives upon camels. I was having tough, a fun time imagining that one too. So can you hear and you hear? Literally, that's what it means. In other words, he didn't say, okay, I'm going to meet you out at 6 o'clock. Be on your camel. No, he literally, this is the active role he takes to get with God's program. He says, okay, son, you're going to ride this one. You get that hump. You get that hump. I don't know if there are two hump camels or not, but my, who knows? I just know, I mean, riding a camel was like a Cadillac, like I said last week. You know, he's literally putting his family on the camels. He's taking action. He's being active. He's not just talking about getting with God, involved in God's program. He's doing it. Verse 18, and he carried away all his cattle and all his goods which he had gotten. The cattle of his getting. You know, carried away means he, he drove them. Right? So there's these giant herds. I'm, and so and it just so happens at this time he does this on purpose Laban and all of his men are out shearing sheep. They're three days away. And so he finds the right time to do it. He gathers all of his flocks. He, he starts driving them. He rounds them up in the middle of all this. Um, you know, Rachel steals her father's idols. And there are some guys that, that, that judge Jacob pretty harshly for leaving without talking to Laban. And, and I get that. Maybe there was some fear there. But the last time he tried to leave, Laban talked him out of it. And there are some times where a drastic call will take drastic measures. And God is trying to get Jacob to get with the program. And there will be some times where it's time for you to get with the program. You're going to have to take some drastic measures. You're going to have to get active. You're going to have to make some decisions. Look at all the action words. Verse 21, or verse 20, Jacob stole away unawares to, to Laban the Syrian. Verse 21, so he fled with all that he had. By the way, he didn't leave anything behind. 
There's a good, there's a good approach to, uh, to getting with the program is that if you're going to get with the program, you might as well be all in. Don't just do it halfway. Get with the program. Don't leave anything behind. Obey 100%. Take everything. The Bible says they fled all that he had and he rose up and passed over the river. Now, can you imagine these flocks and these herds and your children and your wives on camels? They're going to cross and they cross a river. He's serious about this. Most people would get to the river and say, no, that looks dangerous, but not Jacob. He's ready to get with the program. They cross the river. And then I love the last phrase. It says he set his face toward the Mount Gilead. You know, off in the distance, the Mount, Gil- Mount Gilead implies the mountains around the promised land. They're a few hundred miles away, but I'm imagining he could see them, or at least he knew what direction they were in. And he set his face. He's not, he's not playing around anymore. He's not just talking about it. He's not just preparing for it. No, the time has come. And Jacob says, I'm going to get with the program. And I'm going to do it today. I'm going to lead my family. We're going to leave where we are. And we're going to start heading toward where I know God wants us to be. See, here's the lesson. At some point, the preparation and the talk must end. And we, we must just get with the program. There comes a day when a disciple must act. And there are far too many of God's people uncommitted to God's work. They've received God's blessings. They enjoy God's presence. They find comfort in God's word. But they are uncommitted to God's work. So what does getting with the program look like? Well, for Jacob, it meant going back to the place where God had chosen to do his work. And in essence, we've got to do the same thing. See, the difference is we're not looking for the promised land. Today, God's program is centered on an institution. You know what institution that is? It's the local New Testament church. And I love that God points Jacob back to Bethel, the house of God. Even in Genesis. See, the place that represents God to the world, the local New Testament church, the place where God meets with his gathered people, the local New Testament church, it's not just a place, it's, it's people, I know that, but the place represents the local New Testament church, and we've been tasked with God's work, we've been tasked to carry the gospel to the corner, to every corner of this planet. That's the work that we've been tasked with. This is the place that God is working through, this is the place that God is working in. So I'm just saying, so how do you get Get with God's program. How do you get with the program when it comes to church? What you do is you commit yourself to the institution that the Bible says Christ loved and gave himself for, the local church. What you ought to do is you ought to find one that's preaching God's word. You ought to find one that's praising God's name. You ought to find one that's lovingly representing God to the world through the gospel. You need to find one where the families are strong and they love God and they serve God together. You ought to find a church that has a spirit of unity and love and and reaches out and has a spirit of hospitality and it doesn't matter where you've come from or who you are, they welcome you with open arms. That's the kind of church you need to find. And you need to commit yourself to a church like that. And you might say, well, my time and my talent will be invested right here. And if that's the case, uh, you know, I want my time and talent to be used where, where God is working. And listen, a local church like Eastside Baptist Church is where God is working. Amen. I'm not saying we're perfect. We're not. But I do believe that this is the institution. And there are institutions like this plenty of other places. But I believe in this location, this is an institution God is working through. And he's working in. And he's called us to be representatives, ambassadors, as we heard in men's prayer meeting. Ambassadors of a sovereign body. Officially sovereign, this sovereign body officially sanctioned somebody to represent them. God has called us as a church to do that. And the right response to a message like this is for God's people to respond to God's work in their lives with more than words and get with the program. You you say, why? Well, because God's greatest blessings come through his program. I think about salvation. You know, salvation, 
It's true. I mean, if you have a Bible and somebody tells you, and you, even if nobody tells you, and you can read your Bible, you can read the Word of God, you can be saved. But you know who's officially been called to be the steward and the responsible, the responsible institution for the gospel, the Great Commission, is the local church. Jesus looked at that first church in Matthew and he said, All power is given unto me in heaven and earth, go ye therefore. I officially sanction you to be the representatives and to be the stewards of the gospel to the world. So salvation, I mean, God's greatest blessings come through his program. Salvation comes through the Great Commission, through the preaching of the gospel, and through the local church. Many of you, you're here and you're saved because the local church, somebody in this local church reached you. God's greatest blessings come through his program. Salvation, I think about Christian growth. I mean, Christian growth in our lives can happen many ways. But the primary growth we experience is to come through the teaching and preaching ministry found in a local church with which, according to Ephesians 4, it, it functions for the perfecting of the saints and for the work of the ministry and for the edifying of the body of Christ. Yeah, you could grow on your own. But you know, God intends for you to grow in a body, in a family, with people that are supporting you, teaching keeping you accountable, encouraging you. God's program for you to mature and grow into what you're supposed to be is meant to take place through the ministry of a local church family. God's greatest blessings come through his program. You know, you can't substitute the help and encouragement you get in a loving church family. Can you imagine, those of you that part of a church family like this, can you imagine some of the things you've dealt with in your life and having nobody to walk through it with you? We were talking about this with the Winklers last night. A church family is there to support and love and pray for you when you need it and when you're hurting, when you're lonely, and when you just need somebody to listen. It's God's greatest blessings come through his program. So you know what, what his call to you is? And I mean this as kindly as I can. Get with the program. Maybe that's salvation for you. You know, church is made up of saved, baptized church members. And so the very first thing you must do, if you're not with the program, if you've never placed your faith in Jesus Christ, then you need to acknowledge your sin before him and admit that that sin separates you from God forever without help, but that Jesus Christ committed his love toward us and that while we're yet sinners, Christ died for us. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. You have no hope in your sinful condition to save yourself and God saw that and he sent his son as a savior and a sacrifice and a substitute for you so that you could be saved. You could be saved this morning. Maybe God's call to get with the program is because you've never placed your faith in Jesus Christ. And if that's never happened to you, and you listen, it's not time to talk about it. It's not time to just kind of think about it anymore. Listen, you may not have tomorrow. Nobody's guaranteed. So I'm encouraging you this morning to stop talking about it and rise up. Step forward. And somebody right here with a Bible, not our words, but God's, can show you how you can be saved today. Maybe God's call to you to get, get with the program is through baptism. And I know there's a lot of controversy surrounding baptism. Let me just tell you how it works in the Bible. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized. Meaning there's not one example in all of scripture of somebody that got baptized before making the choice to receive Christ as their savior. And I know there are different beliefs and philosophies on that. And there are certain church traditions that say you've been baptized at this point in your life. But if there's not a point where you came to the, your, of your own volition, of your own will to receive Christ as your savior. Any baptism before that is unbiblical. And listen, I'm not discounting it. I'm, I'm thankful that you have a tradition and I'm thankful that, you know, there's something you can look back to and, and, and talk about fondly. Um, but, but that is removed, that is separate from uh, God's work. Right. And if it's just nostalgia for you, 
then maybe you should, let's search the scriptures together. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized. And if you've never been scripturally baptized, uh, it's time. It's time to get with the program. And you say, well, you're just in this, it sounds pretty self-serving. No, it's not about the blessings that I can receive. This is a bless, the, about the blessings that God wants to give you. Right. Because remember, God's greatest blessings come through his program. And so for you to be saved and baptized in functioning and contributing and serving, it's not about anything I get out of it. It's because God wants to do something in your life. He wants to grow you. He wants to mature you. He wants to take you from where you are to something greater. Just like he did with Jacob. Maybe it's membership. We are a membership church. And it's not because it's a club to belong to, but because it's a cause worth committing to. And if you want to belong and serve and show others you're committed to Christ and them consider joining. You say, well, I'm just not sure that there needs to be something official. Well, and I, I understand that to an extent, but I like to use the example of marriage. Because people will use that same argument when it comes to marriage and say, I don't need a piece of paper to show my commitment. And that's fine if that's what you think. But in my mind, I want her to know I'm so committed to her, I'll sign any piece of paper she wants me to because I want her to know I'm committed to her. Right. To me, it's worth committing to. And so if a church is something Christ committed to in death, he loved the church and gave himself for it, then we ought to be willing to submit to it to be a member and, and, and say, I'm committed. Amen. I'm contributing. I'm serving. Amen. I want people to know that I'm so committed to this because God is committed to this institution. If God's calling you to get with the program, maybe it's about attendance. You know, some of us need to get with the program when it comes to attendance. Right. You know, there, there, shouldn't be, there shouldn't be a certain level of service that you attend and some that you don't. And I've used this argument many times, and I think I can back it up with Scripture, that not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. And I say it all the time, but I could say it again, is that I can make a much better argument for more services than you probably could for fewer services. Amen. So much the more. No, I'm not. Because, I mean, we could have 20 services in a week, but I don't think you'd like me after that. I think it's pretty reasonable when you consider that we have seven days, and of those seven days, you're asked to be here one, two, three, about four, four hours. Sunday nights, Wednesday nights are services too. Maybe getting with God's program is that you just need to commit to a place to serve. And you're a member, but you're sitting. No, God gave you gifts to be used. And if you don't have a weekly place of service, you're not being a good steward of those gifts. I mean, there's all kinds of, I've got all kinds of applications. But, you know, Jacob bought into God's program. Has the time come for you to buy into God's program? There are far too many Christians who know what to say. And they can give a good speech like Jacob. But they haven't set their face. And they haven't committed to the place where God is working. And they know what needs to happen, but there haven't been action steps. Today, I'm, listen, today's the best day to get with the program. And I know you may think it sounds a little self-serving, but don't lose sight of the fact that God didn't just bless everybody else. He first blessed Jacob. Jacob used his blessings to bless others, but God doesn't overlook the ones who buy into his program. He does, it doesn't go unnoticed for him. And he won't miss it if you invest in his work he sees. And the reward for prioritizing what he loves is well worth whatever he is asked of us. Have you bought into God's program? If not at Eastside, I mean, somewhere. I don't pretend like Eastside's the only church, but I do believe God's doing a work here. And if you feel like God wants you here, it's time to buy into the program. Have you committed to your local church? Do you, do you have a consistent place to serve? Are there some ties you need to cut in order to, to get with the program? What's your next step? 
What's the step that you need to take to get with this program? Is it salvation or baptism or membership or consistent attendance or a place to serve or maybe leading your family, dads? Maybe getting back to where you used to be? It's time to get with the program. And it's not for my sake. It's not for Eastside's sake. It's for God's sake. A God who committed his son to us deserves commitment from us. So get with the program and watch him bless you and use you more than you thought he ever could. And I'm just going to close with a statement that Rachel and Leah made of all people. Verse 16, now then, whatsoever God hath said unto thee, do. Folks, whatever, whatsoever God has said to thee this morning, do. Jacob rose up and he moved. This morning, I think there are some that need to just rise up and take a step and get with the program. Let's stand together. Listen to our, our longtime members. This message was not for everybody else. This is for us too. Because we can look like we've gotten with the program and really be going through motions. But there are some who need to get with the program. You've got a decision to make, a spiritual step to take. And until you do, God's blessings will be withheld. I'm telling you, God, get with the program and watch God bless your life. And it may take some time. Maybe you've, maybe you've dealt with some things and you're going through some difficulties. I'm not saying it fixes everything right away, but that internal peace that you have, being right with the Lord, listen, you cannot buy that. And maybe your decision this morning is to just get with the program through your local church. I don't know. I'll let the Lord work on the application this morning. I do want to say, if you don't know that you're saved, and I believe we've got some in this room that have never placed their faith in Christ, of all the things you could do today, that's the most important. And when the invitation begins, would you consider taking a step like Jacob, not wasting time, but taking a step, an action step, and stepping forward and saying, I want to place my faith in Christ Today, I don't want to wait anymore. I want to, I want to make sure I, I get this settled so that I can get with God's program. And if that, if that applies to you this morning, would you take that step? And however else the Lord has worked, let's make sure we submit to his plans this morning. Father, we love you and we need you. Work in our hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com.